Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Joe Galati podcast, broadcasting high above the Texas Medical Center in Houston, purveyor of all things related to the liver, health and wellness, nutrition, food and cooking, and all around doctor banter and witty repartee with our experts that visit us. Our website is drjoegalati.com. If you'd like to send me a note, subscribe to our newsletter, or even see me as a patient. If you want to call and be part of the program, dial us at 888-438-9431. And now, on with the podcast. from Houston, Texas, home to the world's largest medical center. This is Your Health First, the most beneficial health program on radio with Dr. Joe Galati. During the next hour, you'll learn about health, wellness, and the prevention of disease. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Galati. Well, hello, America. Dr. Joe Galati. Every Sunday, we're here and we're thoroughly happy you're joining us tonight. The name of the program is Your Health First, and our single goal is to make you better consumers of health care and raise your health IQ one listener at a time. 17 years and counting. Every Sunday night, we're here trying to make you better and more healthy and stay out of the doctor's office. That's what we are really trying to do. DrJoeGalati.com is our website, DrJoeGalati.com. And you could send me an email, sign up for our newsletter, check out what we have been doing over the years. It is all there. Now, busy program tonight. A little later, Dr. Kadali, we are going to be talking about liver Cancer, October is Liver Cancer Awareness Month. And you may be saying liver cancer, liver cancer awareness month. Who even knew there was such a thing? But there is. It's a big deal from a health and wellness standpoint. Dr. Kadali is here, a colleague of mine at Houston Methodist, and we will hear about that. But for now, we have Mike Emanuel back on the line. He is the senior political correspondent at Fox News Channel. Mike, welcome back to the program. Dr. Joe, thank you so much for having me. Well, we're happy to have you. And, you know, one technicality, when you come on three times, you become a regular contributor. So that is uh, the new the news designation for you, Mike. Um, well, I'm honored. Thank you. <laughs> uh, add that to your resume. So um, we were supposed to uh, have this chat last week, but we got bounced by the, the Astros. And I, I wanted to get some insight from you on... COVID-19, what is happening in, in Washington, and, of, of course, the president coming down with it and, and, and recovering and uh, get your insight. And the, the one thing that made me think, okay, let me, let me reach out to Mike to get some insight. Once it was, he was diagnosed and the press started asking questions, I sat there thinking, these questions are not too well thought out. You would have thought that this was a new disease that just sort of landed on the landscape. So what what do you think or how did you view the questioning and the excitement and the things that they were discussing about the president and 
COVID. What, what do you think? Well, I think there was a sense of shock initially whenever you hear the leader of the free world is going to the hospital and has a potentially life-threatening uh, illness uh-huh. that has killed more than 200,000 of our fellow Americans, and he's of a certain age and, uh, you know, body type. And so, you know, we're wondering, like, how bad is this going to be? And I think it's unsettling for all Americans to hear that an American president's heading to the hospital, particularly with such a uh, devastating illness. I mean, I know for me, when I'm reporting on a particular subject, I can bounce around from, you know, foreign policy one day Mm -hmm. to Supreme Court nominee to covid uh, to Hunter Biden's emails, to right. the presidential campaign. And so what I try to do is just be a sponge and just read as much good information as possible, as quickly as possible. So if I were at Walter Reed asking questions of his doctors, um, I would have read through a whole bunch of stuff from Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, and a lot of other experts you know, outside of the government um, to get the latest in greatest about uh, what we know about this uh, devastating pandemic disease. And so uh, hopefully I would have phrased some well-thought questions um, to get the best information for our viewers and listeners and readers um, and, and do so in a, in a smart way. And so it's, it's challenging because all of a sudden a lot of those p- folks are probably focused on the presidential campaign or a range of domestic policy issues, and then all of a sudden they were asked to become health reporters. And so, um, you know, I'm not going to kill them, but uh, I understand you're, you're a doctor, you're an expert, and so uh, you know the questions they were asking, and, and they didn't meet your standards. And so I, I would just say that I hope that, you know, I would have done my homework and, and come up with some good questions. Exactly. That that really is what I was thinking. So as as and, and you answered really the follow up question here, there is so much information. How do you personally go about trying to filter out the the breaking news on a particular therapy uh, and, and you must have uh, have contacts and resources at all these different agencies. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, look, I think the Internet's a beautiful thing. You know, we have so much information at our fingertips. The question is the credibility of the sources you're, mm-hmm. you're looking at. And so, you know, I would favor, uh, you know, medical background type publications. Um, I would favor, you know, big time news organizations. Um, you know, I would I would look at the New York Times, mm-hmm. the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, uh, the Houston Chronicle, um, you know, a range of great publications and, and you know, use my brain and, and, and basically look at what they're telling me, you know, try to filter out any spin that might be in there. But, you know, really try to dig down on the hardcore stats and information just to have them at my, you know, front of my mind, basically, when I'm asking questions of, of a doctor. And then, yeah, we do have contacts at the various medical uh, agencies, uh, Health and Human Services, FDA, um, Centers for Disease Control, et cetera. And so I would not hesitate to pick up the phone, call over there and say, hey, does somebody have a few minutes to walk me through some of this sure, stuff? Sure, sure. Just so I can be best informed uh, to you know, notify our viewers and listeners and to do my job to the best of my cap- capability. Yeah. You know, with all that has happened, his getting COVID was the last thing we all needed, you know. And um, how how has the political environment and, and you know, you, you let off, you read off a 
litany of things that are going on in Washington now. How how did this alter the chemistry and the dialogue and the emotion of Washington today? I think everybody kind of froze for a moment and said, okay, you know, things are so polarized in this town right now, but wait a minute. The president of Mm -hmm. the United States, uh, whether you like him or not, is on his way to Walter Reed Hospital. I think it was very, very smart of the White House to have the president walk to the helicopter. Because at first when I heard he was going to Walter Reed, I thought, oh, my gosh, like if an ambulance is pulling up to the White House. (laughs) That's the last thing we need, right? Yeah, that would really rattle the country. And so I think a lot of the pundit class in Washington kind of took a pause, took a breath and said, you know, whether you want him for another four years or not, he is our leader, at least until January 20th, perhaps beyond. Um, And, you know, let's hope and pray for his full recovery as soon as possible. So I thought the temperature came down pretty quickly. Uh, I, I don't think the the pause of the detente lasted very long. Right. I think it got pretty pretty heated again pretty rapidly. But I think for those several days, and I was outside Walter Reed for several of those days, um, I think a lot of people were just, you know, rooting for some good news and for things to move on in, in, in a positive way and get back to the old bickering, um, knowing that at least he was going to be healthy enough to serve out the remainder of this term and, and perhaps beyond. Perfect. Mike, if it's all right, we're going to take a quick break. And we will be back. We're on with Mike Emanuel, Fox News Channel, senior political correspondent. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Don't change your channel. DrJoeGalati.com is our website. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Every Sunday between 7 and 8 p.m., your radio or smart device is tuned into Your Health First. I'm Dr. Joe Galati. DrJoeGalati.com is our website coming up shortly dr suda kadali talking about liver cancer october is liver cancer awareness month but for now we're going to get back to mike emmanuel senior political correspondent at fox news channel mike um as you are moving around all the different locations in washington be it the white house state department supreme court everywhere that you move Tell me the protocol on either social distancing or are you getting swabbed every time you get within uh, members of the House? How how does that work for for everybody in the press? You know, fascinating question, Dr. Joe. Um, I would say at the White House, uh, obviously, uh, the the testing protocol is the most serious there. Um, And so a lot of my colleagues over there have gotten tested frequently. And anytime you're anywhere near the president, uh, you're getting tested. And so uh, it's interesting, though. I was listening to an interview with former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, who also contracted COVID. And he was saying it was kind of a false sense of security because you're constantly tested. And so he was prepping the president for the presidential debates. And they weren't wearing masks. And he's not entirely clear you know, when he contracted it, but he said, you know, by being constantly tested, they all kind of let their guard down. And he he felt badly because he said for seven months he was super careful. And then he felt like he was, you know, too trusting that the environment was totally clear. Uh, On Capitol Hill, um, the testing is really not very sophisticated at all. And there's been a lot of complaint about that. At one point, uh, President Trump offered the leaders in Congress 
uh, a lot more testing, basically. And I think Mitch McConnell, the majority leader in the Senate, and Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, felt a little strange about taking uh, resources away at mm-hmm. a time when uh, a lot of Americans were not e- able to be tested. And so there have been complaints in recent weeks about, you know, there have been members who fly in from all over the country, um, you know, and you don't know exactly where they've been or, or who they've been interacting with. And, the, and a lot, number of them have contracted COVID. And so uh, the protocols on Capitol Hill have been a little looser. People are serious. People are wearing masks, keeping their distance, a lot of hand washing, you know, following a lot of the good advice. But I think there are a lot of folks who work regularly on Capitol Hill who would like to see some more testing, especially now that testing is picked up in a lot of parts of the country. And so uh, the White House is by far the strictest, and then uh, there are steps down from there at various other government government agencies around the around the city. No, I think you're right that you do get this false sense of security that hey, I've been tested, so you know you don't have to worry about me. But uh, you know, w- wear your gloves and wash your hands and, and put a mask on. But uh, I'm not quite sure who was the source of this particular study, but something like 75, 80 percent of people that that. Uh, contracted COVID were considered diligent mask wearers. And so that's a little disheartening to hear that. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think we're seeing a whole lot of COVID fatigue around the country these days where people, you know, initially we were thinking, all right, a couple of weeks we lock it down and, and the number should start to come down. And, and here we are seven months later buying new masks and, and, you know, still not really fully back to our lives. And it's not entirely clear when we will get back to our lives. And, and so I do think that there's a lot of COVID f- fatigue and, you know, my wife just celebrated a birthday this week, and it was a big birthday. And so we were, you know, in a normal time, would have thrown a big party. Sure. But we had to do, you know, smaller, socially distanced, outdoor-type things. And, you know, we're blessed. She's doing great. Um, but it's just it's just a weird time and, and a difficult time for millions and millions of Americans. Yeah, I think uh, fatigue, I would call it burnout. It's uh, and, and you have to catch yourself not to let your guard out, guard down to either not wear a mask or go into a more high risk environment. It, it's just, um, you know, really, really tough, uh, especially on our psyche and a lot of secondary research is coming out about the negative impact on on all this. You know, really, Mike, the, the, the last sort of area I'm, I'm, I'm interested in here is from almost day one with COVID, there has been the association of chronic conditions, be it obesity, hypertension, diabetes, the combination of, of all of them, uh, kidney disease, liver disease. And it's almost as if now we are paying attention to the definition of, of chronic disease, where millions and millions of people are walking around with these conditions, and it really, you know, nobody really paid too much attention to this. Now, uh, hypothetically, or your own gestalt, is is there an appetite in Washington for anybody to take the flag and say, this is going to be my cause? Obesity, diabetes, yes, COVID, no doubt, this is a, an unbelievable problem. But once COVID is gone, we're going to be left with all of these chronic illnesses that people have. What What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, you're 100% onto something there. And I think right now, this close to the election, I think everything is kind of focused on 
the election. I mean, there are some negotiations going on about a potential COVID relief package. We'll see if they can get it together here in the final weeks before Election Day. But my sense is, is if there's going to be a serious focus on some of these chronic diseases you've referenced, um, it will likely come with a new Congress uh, in the new year, perhaps a new focus on some of these things, because we've seen the death toll just be devastating for people who have underlying conditions. And, right. And, some, and sometimes if it's a friend or a colleague, you may not even be aware of their underlying condition. And then, you know, all of a sudden you see them take a terrible turn and you wonder why did it hit them so hard? And I referenced Governor Christie and, and he went to the hospital right away because he has asthma. Mm-hmm. And like, like millions and millions of Americans, he struggles with his weight. And so he spent a week in intensive care, and, and you know, he was blessed to have great care. But, um, you know, for many, many other people, there are, are really scary circumstances when you combine COVID-19 and then whatever they have, you know, on their medical chart coming into it. Well, sure. And, and you know, sometimes, and a lot of the talk around the water cooler at, at the hospital is, what about the 650,000 people that die of heart disease every year? 600,000 from cancer, uh, lung disease, 160,000. So these numbers add up. And, and again, none of us are saying uh, COVID is, is just a, a, a drop in the water. I think that um, if we didn't have all these underlying chronic illnesses that, that you had mentioned, then getting COVID, not as if we're wishing anybody to get it, but it may not be that big of a scary beast if they did, right. if they were free of these other things. Well, and I think, you know, in looking at COVID right now, how much is COVID and people being, you know, locked down, um, how much is COVID aggravating their other conditions? You know, I mean, if you don't feel safe to go work out or whatever, you know, is, are you putting on weight? Uh, right. Is your heart getting weaker? Um, you know, are you drinking alcohol uh, yes. because you're, t- you're totally stressed out because you don't know if you're going to have a job or, or maybe your job has sent you home and you're not exactly sure when you get your next paycheck. And so it, and, and then there's a psychological strain and, you know, our children, you know, my kids, uh, my son started a new high school and he's been virtual mm. and we've been worried about his assimilation to high school. Our, our middle schooler, she's been virtual full time. And what's the impact of your children staring at a screen, you know, six or seven hours right. a day and, and not interacting with their peers and not really interacting face-to-face with their teachers, um, there are a lot of complications that are really being, I think, exaggerated or what, not uh, by this disease, I mean, or, or um, exacerbated by this yeah. disease and made even worse. And so, um, yeah, I, I certainly hope with the new Congress there will be a renewed focus on uh, really addressing some of these chronic issues that you've mentioned uh, that are killing uh, hundreds of thousands of our fellow Americans. Yeah regularly, uh, whether there's COVID or not. Well, you know, you and I and our shared friend, Dr. Sam Pappas, know what the answer is. It's the Mediterranean diet, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Good, fresh, leafy greens, right? It, uh, some olive oil does uh, does everything. It does you a whole lot of good. It and, does. And good, solid ingredients, absolutely. That's, uh, that's certainly first and foremost in our family, and I know yours. I know. All right, Mike, thank you so much for coming on tonight. It's always a pleasure catching up with you. 
doctors, stay well. My best to you and, and the great people there in Houston. All right. Thanks so much, Mike. Take care. Thanks for listening today to our podcast. Don't forget, for more information, check out drjoegalati.com. Information about my book, Eating Yourself Sick, is available there, as well as our clinical practice, radio program, and social media links. We need you to be part of our tribe and community. Until we meet again, I'm Dr. Joe Galati. Ciao.